Welcome back, everyone, to ExoFriends, the ExoSquad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. Today we are covering episode 12 of the series, Into the Heart of Darkness, part 3, Betrayal. I'm David Hoyt, and I am joined with by... Avon Fashami. And Lexi DeCarning. Welcome back. Welcome back, you two. It's good to talk to you again. Um, yeah, good to be here. The... Uh, what 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 news story should we use to date this podcast? <laughs> uh, I don't think I've looked at the news in I don't know how many weeks. Kayvon, this is your purview. Uh, Chris Weidman snapped his leg in half last night during the, that UFC, whichever UFC it was, I can't remember. But uh, oh, uh, two sixty one, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, Anderson Silva style kicked someone in the leg and his leg broke, and then he planted on it. Uh, oh and man, I remember seeing that like in a little white noodle. One. Oh. It's exact exact same thing, and it's like you can see it kind of breaks when he kicks him, and then like he mm-hmm. puts his leg, he he puts his foot down and puts his weight on it, and it breaks completely, oh. and like goes like limp noodle, and he falls over, and it looks like he's in extreme agony. So that just happened last night. So uh, I ha- I haven't seen that one, but I re- I remember distinctly because I went to a mutual friend of ours place to watch the Anderson Silva one, mm-hmm. and all of us saw the kick happen. And you had that brief moment of something, something bad just happened to him. Mm-hmm. And then he fell over and they started showing the replays of his like ankle wrapping around the other guy's leg. <laughs> yeah, it, was right. like, it was just like, oh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. But and the civil one was really bad. The wide one's disgusting. Also, the civil one, I think it's probably like the worst of those that I've ever seen because that they, they don't happen commonly, but it's like not an unheard of thing to just like have your leg snap when you're like kicking someone. If they check it right and you hit the shin it just, mm. yeah, your leg snaps. Uh, no, I know really it's, <laughs> it's disgusting. Um, I put the video in the chat if you're curious and have a strong <laughs> stomach, but it's there. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I'm not squeamish about, but I feel like snapping someone's shin in half and their leg turning into a wet noodle is... It's pretty bad. It's going to be one of those things that maybe I don't want to see again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and having broken bones, like, just the... It's because you know, like, you know you're going to... like the, the It's the sound of breaking bones up for me anyway that's, like, the worst part. Like, because you feel it and you hear it in your inside your body because it's, like, your bones reverberating... Inside, oh, it's terrible. It's just like, it's I don't, like I I've never a broken a bone. I Dave, you were there when I broke my foot, right? Yes, I was. I was walking away from the from the incident where it occurred, and I heard a yell in the <laughs> in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night over the noise of everything else happening. I was like, that sounded like cave on. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, ow. <laughs> and then and then and then all the people who were with you like carried you into the uh the tavern yeah and i was like you all right buddy <laughs> the best part of that was like uh, somebody gave me a cell phone to call my mom which was like pretty cell phones were still pretty new back then this is like i think the fall of 2000 and uh I called my mom. It was like, I don't know, like 10 o'clock at night. And she was like awake. And she was like, oh, uh, can someone drive you home in the morning? It was like, you won't come get me. I don't really feel like it. We were like, I don't know, maybe 35 minutes, 40 minutes from where we live. Did I I take you to the hospital? 
You drove me uh, to my. You drove me home to my mom's, and then we went. That's up, right. And then That's my mom right. took me to um, the hospital she worked at, and they X-rayed me and everything. And yeah, broke four bones in my foot. Oh, yeah. It was a great way to start my senior year of high school. But anyway, fun stories. <laughs> mm, shattered bones. Mm. I was. I was gonna go. I was gonna use uh, Derek Chauvin's new favorite cereal. Oops, all charges. But. <laughs> Also, yeah. a good, a good story. Yeah, that's probably a happier story than poor Chris Weidman's leg. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, but in, into the heart of darkness, though. Um, yeah. Uh, so one thing I wanted to talk about before we start this episode, I saw someone post about this on some ExoSquad group. You, you look at Marsala's outfit, right? Mm-hmm. He's got those shoulder straps. I think those are the same shoulder straps that the Neo Sapiens wore when they were like slave workers. Mm. Yeah, because you see some of that in this episode, right? Like, yeah. a, a spoiler alert. I don't know for anyone who hasn't watched the show who's listening to this podcast at this point. I don't know what you're doing, but okay. Um, but <laughs> like, because in this episode we have flashbacks to part of that. Um, neo sapien rebellion and like you can see them all wearing their yeah those like weird shoulder cuff things that go around the kind of shoulder and arm right and like yeah this is also we we can definitively say that neo sapiens do not have nipples because we see many <laughs> bare neo sapien chests in this episode yeah. but yeah i don't know i think that's actually a really good theory and i wouldn't be surprised if the creators or the animators or the character design you know team like purposefully put that in there it it, see, it seems within Marsala's character to do something like that, like to put that reminder of mm-hmm. those things on him at all times, you know, like yeah. for himself. I wonder if anyone else in the squad would have realized. I feel like, I feel like JT would realize it because he's probably like a student of military history. But. Maybe. I mean, because it's like that's. It seems like such a little touch, and it's something that he would have like. It would have happened before he was born. If yeah. anybody would recognize it, Winfield might. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll get we'll get to that in the mm-hmm. episode. The um, but uh, the episode the episode starts with this kind of eerie opening um of a derelict like really damaged exofleet ship exploding, and we get this cool scene where there's this like un- unnamed pilot that I don't think we've ever seen before in. Mm-hmm in a Bronsky style E-frame and one of the Neo Sapiens launches their like flail head missile at her and she grabs it with a grappling hook and (laughs) throws it back at him. Yeah. At first, cause I saw like, you can just see close-ups of their face. Um, and she looks like, you know, like a redhead. And I was like, is that Colleen O'Reilly? And then Kayvon was like, no, cause Colleen's like not a exo, like exo fleet member. She's a jump troop or whatever. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I was like, who's this badass and why does she not have her own spin-off? <laughs> Seriously. <Yeah. clears throat> I, I think she ends up surviving this. I don't think, we, well, I don't think we see, maybe she, no, I don't, maybe she doesn't. Um, but I had it, thought that she dies in that scene, but she makes it, so I don't know. Yeah, she might die, she might die in the upcoming scene. Okay. That, uh. The, 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 the opening is bookended by uh, Maggie and Takagi uh bringing the resolute survivors to a presumably 
bigger and faster ship to get away from the battle, the massacre that just happened. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, then not much, not much is said there. Uh, and we go to, we cut over to Olympus bonds exploding in dramatic volcanic fury as uh, Neo sapiens are now free to continue their search for able squad, uh, while they're, trying to repair their E-frames. Of course, in the last episode, Marsala and Deleon are not there because Marsala just went full tra- full, full trader and punched Deleon across the room and turned him in. Um, and, <laughs> like, the Neo-Sapiens don't give a fuck about blowing up the ground, do they? They're just like, it shoot it all! Maybe we'll get him! <laughs> Destroy everything. Well, I mean, yeah. that's... Point out, like, Olympus Mons is also supposed to be a, a dormant or extinct, extinct volcano, right? So, did the Neo Sapiens, like, do they re. I don't know. How do you <laughs> reignite the volcano? Or, like, is it just some pyrotechnics? They dug too deep. Dramatic effect. Right? Delve too greedily. Well, I mean, stop me if I'm wrong. I seem to remember reading somewhere, and maybe I'm not, I'm not much of a, a space science person, but um whatever you call it uh but um isn't like it doesn't mars like mars doesn't have like a, a molten spinning core like the earth does that's like part of the problem with mars right is that it it doesn't have the same magnetosphere that protects it from like solar winds and keeps its atmosphere there right i don't know uh... <laughs> i i thought i, I thought i'd remember reading that somewhere that, like that's one or at least one of the theories about mars or something i don't know that they like don't have a this core is not molten and spinning anymore, so it's like. But oh, you're oh, you're saying that maybe it was once upon a time, but it right. isn't anymore. And it's okay. it's, it's since cooled and solidified, right. unlike the Earth's. But I don't. Am, am I right? Uh, you could be. Uh, no, I thought I am, she said something about you're right. But oh, I th- I think you're right. I don't know. I seem to recall, but you know, my days of being a space nerd were shut down when i realized that south africa didn't have a space program and so all of the knowledge that i was shoving inside my head as a child was pretty much useless um just kidding uh (laughs) it's still useful to know but yeah so maybe this is part of the neo-sapien like terraforming project on mars is we're gonna get that core going again we're gonna ignite some volcanoes it's gonna be (laughs) badass start spinning get some atmosphere let's get this they talk they talk about in later episodes how they're using the like geothermal energy of the volcano. So maybe they mm-hmm. did like do something to restart it to get that energy going. Although, what kind of energy would you have to use to restart it? And would it actually be a net gain? Right. Seriously, it's like, well, we've recreated the molten core. Like, oh, we could have probably just harnessed this energy to run the planet. But whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, it's fun. fine. It's fine. It's it's okay. <laughs> Uh, but now Olympus Mons erupts. Hooray. We have the largest volcano in the solar system erupting on our planet. It's going to be boss, guys. What could go wrong? Maybe we could have like a uh, a remake of... Um, what was that Pierce Brosnan movie in the 90s? Oh there, was vol- there was Volcano and then there was another one. Right. And I Vol- don't remember which one was Pierce Brosnan. Volcano was the... Because uh, it was like Volcano, but they'd highlight the L and the A because it happened in Los Angeles. And it, that was Tommy right. Lee Jones and his like daughter. It was like a father-daughter story. And then the Pierce Brosnan one was like man with a traumatic past meets woman whose husband is dead or absent or something. And he becomes the new Dante's father. Peak. Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. Yeah, oh. the, the one... The, Sorry, the one thing... Saying, I don't, oh, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> just the only thing I remember about that movie is when the granny has to like. Yes. Push the board to the to acid lake and yeah. she melts. Uh. Yeah. I was just about to say that. That's the one. That's the only thing I remember too. I remember that and driving over lava. Yeah, <laughs> which totally made sense and is exactly how that works. And your car wouldn't explode at all. I, I love I love how YouTube has educated me on what actually would happen if you fell into lava. Like you would basically disintegrate before you even touched it. Hot, I right? Mean, really, oh, literally hot. Yeah. It's, well, because there's, I think it's in L. In the, like one of the only scenes I remember from Volcano is there's like a scene in in like a subway or something, and this guy has to like get this person who's like unconscious out of this subway train, but the lava's like creep crept along and the train's slowly dissolving into it. So he like inexplicably, and he's like kind of trying to be this. He's like this like middle aged man who's not in great shape, but he hefts this person up. Fireman carries them jumps feet first into the lava, hurls them clear of the lava, and then slowly sinks into and dissolves into the lava. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's pretty good. Um, you, you are well, not, in fact, the Terminator. This is not how this works. Right. We should do some bonus episodes where we revisit 90s volcano films. <laughs> but only um, 90s volcano films. Yeah, nothing else. So I wonder how many 90s volcano films there are. Oh, my God. Do, do you, do you count IMAX Ring of Fire? Like, uh, totally. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got uh, Joe versus the volcano. That was 1990. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, volcano fire on the mountain from 1997. Uh, yeah. So we've got a few. Ernest, I mean, maybe... Ernest goes. Ernest goes to the volcano. <laughs> I'm Is sure. That a movie. It's got to be in be there. <laughs> that, we'll, we'll petition to have it made. Maybe that explains the volcano in this show then, because clearly there was a little bit of a volcano obsession going on in the 90s. And so, yeah. I don't know, the writers of Exo Squad were like, hey, why don't we just bring Olympus Mons back? People are into volcanoes right now. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So it's a hot time. Marketing 101, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> um... <laughs> What are we talking uh, about? <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> volcanoes. <laughs> all right. Uh, God. Fit, and that's why you tune in for all the weird diversions. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, after after we after we get this wonderful volcano scene and watching the uh the Neo Sapiens shoot blindly trying to find Able Squad, uh we see Phaeton coordinating the pursuit effort of the Exo fleet as Marsala is brought before him. And we get this, what I think, a really cool flashback of presumably the end of the Neo-Sapien uprising, where Phaeton is leading a bunch of troops, and two E-frames basically shut them down, one of which is, I'm pretty sure that's Winfield piloting that E-frame. It's definitely it's, that actor's voice, and he looks remarkably similar. Yeah. yeah. And we we learn that Phaeton gave up Marsala in order to save himself, and uh, Winfield was the one who captured them both, which leads me to the question, that was 50 years ago. Winfield looks pretty old in that scene. He's got to be 80s, 90s at this point. Could be. Which 
future medicine maybe maybe 90s the new 50 i don't know <laughs> i mean it really but it really could be though you go back and see what people like in their 50s look like and like at the like turn of the 20th century and you look at us now and it's like oh, okay yeah like you know good diet um medical technology yeah i mean I, i'd be willing to believe and he's admiral so he's like been in the fleet probably longer than anybody else he's like the head of the entire fleet but that good va medicine yeah <laughs> <laughs> We uh we also we also get the there's this little line at the beginning of the scene where the someone is telling Phaeton like they captured a ship full of Exofleet officers, and I think they say that none of them are like commissioned officers, and Phaeton's just like, well, execute the ball, Ben. That's <laughs> right. real casual too. It's like, is that weird? Of- he. He says, like, execute them all, and then there's this, like, little smirk on his face. Like, he does this, like, weird little, like, he looks down and smiles. Yeah. Uh, like, he's so, yeah. real pleased with himself. Like, he's just like, <laughs> Right. That's exactly the look Kayvon gets on his face when he knows he's being naughty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually like, I'm, like, playing a little sick. prank on Lexi or something. <laughs> yeah, you know that look. Uh, <laughs> your Phaeton face. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Resting Phaeton face. I mean, but, kind of. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely worth like, I'm, let's see if I can get a screen cap of it because it's pretty good. Let's see here. What was it? Episode 12. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get a screen cap of it. Yeah. It, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure it's supposed to be Winfield because like we, we know that he was around during that war. Mm-hmm. Um, this, mo- this would make sense that he was either high enough ranking to be on that important of a mission or, like, that mission was what propelled his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I like the design of the old E-frames because it really shows them, like, like that was, like, their first iteration. Right. Before, th- before they became, like, actual mecha suits. Yeah. Yeah, they're really, really simple. It's, like, just a, kind of, like, a, almost like a body covering. It's, like, it is that sort of simplistic, like, these were just put together for this very specific purpose. Yeah. Um, Marcella and Phaeton discuss the future of the war and why he betrayed Able Squad. You know, he's, like, you know, there's no chance for the humans to win now that you've set up this brooding facility. Um yeah, I'm switching sides because of that, just like you did 50 years ago. Uh, and like you get these really weird shots of Phaeton because like he comes out of his E-frame to talk to Marsala, mm-hmm. indicating, mm-hmm. I think, like some le- deep level of respect that Phaeton has for him. Uh, <laughs> e- even though like e- it seems a it, I, I get I only think about that because of how paranoid he's starting to seem to get him to come out of his armor in the presence of someone who may very well try to assassinate him. Right. Which just seems kind of uncharacteristic of him. And I think it's like, it is very much, I think, I wonder if it would be interesting if they'd explored it more. And if they ever do a remake, if they explore this a bit more of like Marsala's like potentially like legendary status among Neo Sapiens as like the Mm -hmm. leader of the original rebellion. I mean, he's like the the kind of premier neo Sabian freedom fighter, right? Yeah, you you would think that, like you said, most neo sapiens know who he is, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be famous, um, just like Phaeton. And it's it's I think that's where it's like the kind of subtle dig when Phaeton it's like, oh, well, why are you turning traitor now? He's like, oh, you would know something about that. It's like <laughs> subtle. It's just like, hey, bro, by the way, you remember? 
And it's like, I think this is like, it's a major reveal. I remember being blown away as a kid because like, you know, you, you have this like rebellion that's talked about in the background. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Marsala, the one Neosapien who's like, or one of the few Neosapiens that's in Exofleet was the leader of that. And the and then Phaeton, and then so it gets you kind of it got me kind of thinking even as a kid is like is this whole thing that Phaeton's doing this whole you know Neo Sapien Destiny whatever is like part of this just like a sort of narcissistic attempt to like make up for his own cowardice and his own betrayal. Do you think maybe he do you think maybe he actually has been living his entire life in the shadow of Marsala? Even though Marsala kind of faded away into obscurity? Not to, well, maybe, but it's more also just like maybe, you know, he had this moment of cowardice after seeing the E frames. And like, there, it, I think it's kind of the way the scene is sort of cut, it's um, suggested that he watches all the other Neo Sapiens as he's with get massacred by the, because there's like a bunch of like laser flashes. It just shows his face. Yeah. And there's all those like laser flashes and his face, he looks horrified. And so you assume that, like, he just, like, watched those two E-frames just massacre all the Neo-Sapiens that he was with. Um, and so he has this, like, kind of moment of cowardice where he betrays the revolution, he betrays Marsala, he betrays everything. And I wonder if this isn't, like, some part of his character that he just, he, the, the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt over all of this, um, compounded with what I think is, like, a deeply narcissistic personality, um, you know, he just like, it's, it drives him crazy over the years. And this is what like kind of his major impetus, like he, he'll talk about destiny and all this other crap. But at the end of the day, he's trying to like make good on his, or like kind of a, in his own kind of dumb way, like atone for like his, his own moment of cowardice so that no one can ever call him a coward or a betrayer or anything like that. Because he, he even accomplished in the, to your point about like, is there potentially some kind of like, um, like kind of conflict between him and Marsala or some kind of like insecurity there? Like now no one, he, he'll have accomplished what Marsala couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. That's deep. <laughs> I mean, it makes, <laughs> Realize it this make... is a kid though, or is this just like adult brain? Like at what level were you cognizant of these things when you're watching this as a child? Not I don't. I don't know if I'd be. That, I don't know if I could have <laughs> expressed these things that eloquently at like the age of eleven. But like, I mean, one thing that kind of did get me sort of thinking about is like, well, what, like, what is like, Phaeton's? You know, like, how does he? How does he feel about this? And I remember like kind of thinking about all this and like, just like thinking about like, you know, I had an understanding. I think shame back then. It's like, what kind of shame would you feel for just like selling out mm-hmm. your people? Yeah. I mean, that could be a that could be a driving force in like a in a more thoughtfully explored version of the show, right? Yeah, yeah I never, I never even, I never even considered that until now. That's a good reading. I like that. Um, and Marcella, the speech that he's giving is also, I mean, it's convincing for Phaeton, but it gets pretty convincing overall. Yeah, you know, he's he's saying a lot of things. It's like. Oh, you're saying the you're saying the quiet part out loud, and you're making some sense. Right. <laughs> but why are you suddenly interested in joining my forces? As you realized fifty years ago, I have now come to realize the side for which I've been fighting cannot win. We Neo Sapiens are stronger, faster, more intelligent than humans. Our only weakness has been our limited numbers. Ah, you have discovered my new birthing complex. Exactly. Humans can now be phased out. 
Neo-Sapiens will take over all aspects of homeworld life. The laws of evolution have been fulfilled. After after all that, though, uh, Marsala fakes being pursued back to Able Squad's position, and they they mount up to save him. Uh, they he's being pursued by like six or seven Neo Sapien Y wings, and um, the a battle starts. And I like how, like you know, like in in a lot of cartoons where if something like that approached approached your heroes, they'd be like. Um, be like, well, let's take them out. But in this show, they're like, oh, we're we're in danger right now. Everyone take this seriously. Um, even though Bronski kills like four of them standing still. Uh, <laughs> he, but as right after he does that, Marsala, who and like he, I like the look on Nara's face when this happens because she's hooked mm. up to him. And she's like realized she's like oh shit what are you doing? Because he um he shoots some rocks and starts to bury some of the squad members under the debris, mm-hmm. and he shoots he actually shoots Rita's e frame manages to like yeah. just shoot her gun and knock her back so she gets buried under rubble. And she, I I don't know why this was funny to me, but Rita just like turning around and seeing those rocks falling is like fragged like <laughs> very very loose cover up of the f word there guys <laughs> right um uh, and oh go ahead like amazing how masala really proves himself to be like a one-man army in this episode um a one neo army i don't know what you call it but like the way he absolutely basically just takes out you know, able squad in this moment by shooting some rocks on them and like, I mean, not killing everyone, obviously, but just like disarming everyone by himself. And then mm-hmm. I don't know. I was, I was kind of blown away. Like this episode for me, I think I remember watching it the first time through with Kayvon. And at this point I still wasn't convinced that he really was betraying them. I was like, no, this is going to be an act. Like this can't be real. Oh, they've done all the <laughs> setup early on. Like, Oh, you know, uh neo sapiens don't know how to bluff and they don't know how to lie because they're emotionally like incapable of doing these things but here you see marsala is like not only a like a badass soldier obviously but also like a brilliant fucking mastermind mm-hmm. um yeah yeah so i don't know i just i, I love this episode because it shows off what a an amazing character he is and it, it, it speaks to the if if he if the first neo sapien uprising had been fought on anything resembling equal footing techno technology wise they they might have taken back mars themselves right 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 well because that's kind of the the suggestion right like is that they're winning until the e-frames are invented and then that levels the playing field between humans and neo sapiens um and it's yeah it is like it's kind of you kind of wonder if like uh marsala had had phaeton's resources what would have happened i don't think he would have exterminated the human race but like would they be the dominant power in the solar system now? And I, it just flashed in my mind. Have you two seen the miniseries Chernobyl? No, no not yet. There, there is a scene in there with a bunch of miners, and seeing all those shirtless and some pantsless Neo Sapiens. <laughs> Uh, in that uprising reminded me of that scene and I don't want to spoil it for you if you ever watch it but 
everyone should watch that series, but not before you go to bed because you will never sleep again. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I mean, if there's if there's scenes of shirtless and pantless Russian miners, I am here for it. Um, well, let's it. <laughs> by miners, I mean M I N E R S. I just want to clarify because <laughs> I realize that sound really bad. Don't don't want to get gated. Yeah, no, not not at all. <laughs> Oh, just also, I managed to find a. I managed to make a screen cap of uh, Phaeton's face during the scene where he like orders the, those executions. <laughs> he's like, "I'm so good at ordering people to die." I know he's just like it's like this, just like very like um, self satisfied look of smug. It's just like he's like, "Yeah, I'll I'll use that as a the, the temporary uh, uh, episode cover art for this for this one." Hell yeah, amazing. Um, but so Marcella has Marcella has completely taken out Able Squad at this point and, and caused them to be captured. And we go back to Exofleet being pursued by the Neo Sapien fleet. Uh, Maggie's in trouble. She's she's taken fire, and we see some of those people who we've loved in the background of Exofleet show up. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy named Dover like saves Maggie. And yells out, eat flaming death, you Neos. And then proceeds <laughs> to get his own flaming death. Um, for some reason, Kaz has the weirdest like naming affect- affectations. He calls Maggie grandma. He's like, you were you were just trying to make out with her in prison like a week ago. <laughs> right. Maybe he's got a yeah. grandma thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Robbing the grave. Um <laughs> My fi- my favorite background character, Mush that Mustache Man, finally gets a name, Sandowski, yes. and uh, he 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 takes out some neos, but he he gets taken down himself, but not before self destructing and taking out a few more. Um, and we also we also see this one just kind of really brutal, horrifying scene. I don't think it was Sandowski. I think it was someone else who's in like a orange brown version of alex eframe and it's getting like destroyed piece by piece and like you can hear him and he's like ah i'm gonna die and then he does um yeah who's there's another maybe maybe this is the same guy but like there's another kind of red shirt type character in the scene who's just like cussing at some point and Kayvon and i could not figure out what he was saying um I don't know. We need someone with closed captions to tell us. But like, at one point we were like, "Did he say like eat shit, you dickheads?" No, there's no way he could be saying that. But like, it's so ambiguous. You, you, you might, you might be talking about when Dover said, "Eat flaming death." I think that's that is, that but yeah, was? we could not okay. make it out though. It was like, what is he saying? <laughs> yeah, it was hard to. I actually had to rewind it and turn on captioning to see what he was saying. Because I thought it was, was like, like eat flaming dicks, you like something or another. <laughs> so it's like, just, that's, I mean, that's cool too, but like I doubt that's in a kid's show. The Xbox Live version of Exo of Exo Squad, <laughs> right? Uh, with 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 slightly with uh, a lot of homophobic epitaphs. Oh dear! Yeah. Oh dear! Uh, the um. We also see Winfield in, an, in a pretty unique E-frame. He, it looks like a mix between Rita and DeLeon's suit. Oh, wow. Well, I, I yeah. wasn't even paying attention to that, to be honest. It's, it's like the first and only time we ever see it, I think. Um, right. 
I thought because like first it's I thought he was like in a ship, but then yeah, it's like he's like in a weird E-frame. But yeah, he's not really like you don't really see many external shots of the E-frame. I think until the end of that scene. Yeah, and and it's weird to me because they were safely on board that other ship, right? Mm -hmm. And then they had to have gotten off it, got via E-frames to fly towards. I can't remember the name of the ship that they're going towards, but the the ship being commanded by Captain Furlong, mm-hmm. Marcus's second in command, mm-hmm. to reclaim it. And again, these really smooth transition of powers in the military. He just walks in and they're like, you're relieved of duty. And he's like, what? And <laughs> then he like, Winfield's just pointing a gun at him. He's like, give me a fucking excuse. Right. I'll kill you right here right now i don't like you as much as i liked marcus (laughs) right which is funny because it's like he already gave you an excuse he's literally a mutineer you can like literally execute him on the spot right like that's how that works isn't it (laughs) like he he did a mutiny (laughs) anyone else think they could do a fucking better job than me from now on (laughs) right which is i think probably part of the reason the crew goes along with it because like anybody that was like really militant for like marcus and furlong's plan it's like well now this is what happened you guys congratulations guys you destroyed the exo fleet yep yeah well done nice job good job uh back back on mars phaeton interrogates able squad and hooks jt up to a mind scanner which i think we saw this being used on napier at one point mm-hmm. um and you know, he's he's still questioning marsala at this point and he's like well if you're really on my side you'll be the one to turn on the the mind scanner for jt so we can find out if you're uh if you have a secret plan with him mm-hmm. and uh Marcella's like, all right, <laughs> click, click, click. Yeah, he just ramps that thing up. Like, it's great. This is also, yeah. I, I enjoyed the mind scanner scenes because we did, through this, confirm that JT is definitely a paladin, firstly. Mm-hmm. Um, just like his inner monologue is so... Square. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say justice-oriented, <laughs> but that's another way of saying that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is... We can see there's a scene of him, like an Alice Noretti, walking around holding hands, kind of. Yeah. So mm. it's it's pretty obvious at this point that they were in a relationship, right? Like yeah. there was something more than just being friends or being on, you know, being in the exo fleet together. Yeah, it, like it, it also. I don't think I don't think they ever really talked about before. Like one of the things that JT loves about being in the exo fleet is being able to fly. Like the act of piloting mm. an E-frame is something that he really loves. Um, maybe even more so than being a leader or a soldier. Um, mm-hmm. And he, I think he asked, he asked Marsala, he's like, where's, like, where's the loyalty that you promised us? And Marsala's like, my loyalty is to my race. Right. And whew. Which is a pretty, <laughs> yeah, hefty, hefty statement, right? Yeah. Um, but I think also like not necessarily so just like, you know, when um, I think later on, you know, Marsh kind of asks him, uh, I don't know, getting a little bit ahead, but he says, like, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. I wonder if like that's that is true, though. And like the reason that he's in Exo Squad is because he his he is he is very loyal to the Neo Sapien cause. And the only path forward he sees is some kind of reconciliation with humanity or terror. Yeah. Whatever well, I call him. He he's he's that he's that ideal path of in enacting the change from within. Right. Right. 
like not through violence, but through through rising in the ranks and to hopefully someday be able to enact the change that he wants to see for him to to make the life of his people better. Yeah. Um, which we all know works all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he's he's doing a bit of violence along the way, though, isn't he? I That's mean, true. He's yeah. killed a lot of shot motherfuckers. shot a fuckload of people at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's killed a lot of his own people, like a shitload of them. He also, he also, I'm fairly sure, has just liquefied Alex's jaw when he when he punched him in the earlier scene. <laughs> Undoubtedly, right? And Marsh's brain with this brain scan, yeah. <laughs> liquid yeah. Marsh. Uh, so coming back to Marsh's <laughs> brain scan too. So it's like, yeah, he is this like kind of paladin type. He like talks about how like, oh, this flight is all this freedom, but that comes with great responsibility. Blah blah blah. And then then the next scene, he's like holding the hands of one of his subordinates. Which I felt was like, it's interesting because it's like he is such a straight and narrow paladin type. But then, like, I don't know, I would assume like most militaries, you're not supposed to be dating your subordinates in ExoFleet. Yeah, and what she wasn't always part of Able Squad. Like, it might have right. been, it might have been something where they were romantically involved and then somehow she became part of Able Squad. And maybe there's a secret subplot where he, like, try it, where he got her into Able Squad so he could keep her safe. And womp womp. womp yes, yeah. that worked out. <laughs> yeah. Things to explore yeah. in the in the hopeful remake someday. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, still, I'm still waiting for those to call us and be like, "Hi, we'd like you to help write this." Uh, yeah. I, what we're doing. If you're listening, Will Mignot, we would be happy to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> joke, by the way, uh, I, have, I would totally I, do it, but I don't know if I'm a good enough screenwriter. <laughs> I have no experience and zero qualifications, but I'm there, man. <laughs> we'll do it. 100%. I can nitpick the hell out of your cartoon. <laughs> uh, as this is all going on, Kaz and Maggie are flying towards Mars on a ship that uh, Winfield has granted them permission to use. Um, and they're pursued by two Neosapien sloops. I thought that name was funny. Um <laughs> And they have this argument about who should fly the scout ship to escape them because, as Kaz says, like, there's no way we can actually fight them. We have to outrun them. And Kaz convinces Maggie that he's the one to do it, which not I, – I think that's not unreasonable. He's, I, he, every indicator is that he is a better pilot, especially of ships right. than she is. Um, Anybody else in the squad even, really. Yeah, like she, we never really see her pulling off any amazing maneuvers. I'm always, I'm always reminded of when she shoots that missile. Rita says, "Great shot," and the missile just fucking misses. <laughs> I know, I mean, but I mean, like Kaz. Like, I mean, I think Kaz is like the top pilot in the squad. Oh yeah, he's kind yeah. of like he's like one of the top pilots in in the entire fleet. Really, it's it's either it's either him or JT. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think it's him. I I. I think Kaz is supposed to be that ace pilot that no one can beat. Right. Um, unless your name is Thrax, which we'll get to later. <laughs> oh, God, I love Thrax. He's like my favorite character. Uh, we, <laughs> the, another, another, good, another fun thing from that mind scan is that like, the, the like Marsala's face morphing into like kind of a satanic effigy and then into Phaeton's face. I like that too. Mm. Yeah. That was a nice touch. Which is 
It's a little bit of a throwback to the uh, graffiti that we see in like episode oh, yeah. two or three. Remember, like, there's the yeah. person with the holographic graffiti can where you just like spray the image onto the wall. Um, and it's like a demonic, yeah, it's like the demonic Neo Sapien face with horns. And I don't know. I just thought that was like a nice little detail as well. Yeah. The, uh, at the end of the mind scan, Phaeton's like, all right, I'm satisfied. It doesn't look like you had a plan with him. Now kill your entire squad. Yeah. It's actually Marsala that suggests it, though, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, because he's like, he's like, well, there is one final test, and Phaeton's like, yes, of course. <laughs> but Marsala's the first one that mentions it, yeah. Phaeton, Phaeton always has a boner for executing people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at that so face. Again. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> uh Marsala agrees and he he takes the gun and it looks like he they line him up for execution and it looks like he's gonna do it and then he gives this like really he, he gives this wink and it's like super slow and the music is like dramatically rising and as soon as he gives it it cuts to Nara and she almost has this look on her face like what <laughs> she's totally deadpan and he's doing yeah. like the seal bluth kind of wink yeah. so like, <laughs> hang on i'm, get, uh, any, I'm getting screenshots of them right now so any can. any neo sapien who's ever watched like a cartoon is like why the fuck is that guy winking oh shit <laughs> <laughs> right neo sapiens don't wink <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's like, I wonder if any of them even know what, like, I mean, I guess they would know what a wink is, but it's just funny seeing it from him, because he's, like, almost smiling, too, when yeah. he does it. Yeah, I'm trying to get that. Yeah, and it's just the deadpan look on Nara's face just really makes it, also. Because prior to this point, he's giving a little monologue, right? This is where he's talking about, like, you don't know what it's like to see your people enslaved, to like mm -hmm. be built to work, but then given free will, right? And the desire to be free. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a really powerful speech that he gives while he's preparing to supposedly shoot, you know, um, Able Squad. Marsala, how can you do this? After all we've been through, been through been through you terrans have never seen your broodmates sold beaten mistreated treated as cattle and worse created as slaves but with a will to be free forced to work to suffer to die in horrible conditions for terran greed denied even the right to speak up against such tyranny this is what i've been through speak not to me of loyalty I am a Neo-Sapien, created by Terrans, feared by Terrans, abused by Terrans, but no more! ...is with Phaeton, and yours is in extinction. And so, like, Nara's reactions are so, I would say, almost over the top, right? Obviously, it's a kid's cartoon, so it's going to be a little bit over the top. But, like, the way she, like, moves and her facial expressions while he's giving the speech are just, like, amazing. And then he, like, winks at her, and it's just a completely, like, blank, resting bitch face stare. Like, <laughs> no, no response whatsoever. It's just, like... I, I think my favorite line from his speech the one that was really got me was to see your brothers and sisters sold. Yeah. 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 
Because that's like the first I, really. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, at th- at this point, I don't like. I knew they were growing the Neo Sapiens for slave labor, but I didn't really understand there was a slave trade. Right. This is like the first. Um, this is the first inkling you get of like just how bad because you really only get that from the human perspective, right? There's the mm-hmm. the news story and other people talking about what the what the so called sapes did during the thing, and then all of a sudden it's like here's like Marsala like seeing your brothers and sisters sold in bondage to be treated to live as a slave, like all this sort of stuff, and it's just like, oh god, yeah, that <laughs> this is pretty bad actually. Well, it adds it adds another deep layer of evil to their whole history right yeah you for real like, not good no and it it kind of <laughs> it makes it really i don't know it just it again it, it really muddies the water of who is like the who is there really a bad guy here or is all of this phaeton the neo-sapien third draft for vengeance all of this stuff like actually a product of what the humans did to them at this, at, at be, especially because of all the things Marsala is saying right now, the Neo Sapien. It is a it is a war of revenge, mm-hmm. but like their their anger is justified, and like except for the obviously like freakishly evil Phaeton, they become a sympathetic set of characters and causes. Right. Right. And that's what like that's what's I think so fucking amazing about the show is it's it's never black and white, it's never goodies and baddies. It's a really complex system where neither side both side has blood on their hands. Both sides have like been embedded in this just like I mean, just doing awful things. And really like I mean, it's up until the Neo Sapien genocide of humanity starts, it's like it it's the humans that are really the fucking problem here. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's so Ah, it's so morally complex, and you get yeah, like you, said, you just kind of you can't help but kind of feel for the neo, neo sapiens at the same time that you're like, well, like Phaeton's image, you know, Phaeton's vision of the future is also horrifying. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Marsala winks. Nara has her deadpan face, and Marsala shoots a guard, and it kicks off a fight, and uh, they take out all the neo sapien guards. Bronski does another great grapple move and tosses someone over a railing. Uh, <laughs> JT does a, does a f- jump kick straight out of like Karate Kid, and uh, at some point it's it's only Able Squad and Phaeton on that platform now. And uh, I can't is it she? It's not Shiva. It's Typhonus, I think like realizes what's going on and orders the rest of the base to converge on their position right. to take out able squad and rescue phaeton and that's when the episode ends yeah which makes for honestly this is like between last episode and this episode these are two of my like favorite i think this is some of the mm-hmm. best writing in the entire series mm-hmm. yeah i'm like good fun action um, there's like a good balance of everything in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Da- dangerous stakes, really powerful character moments, and like fun action. Yeah. That that's that's a top top ten cartoon right there. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's it's just like seeing a bit of the background too. Like I, I think the big that's like the big reveal in the series for me is like the roles that Marcella and Phaeton played. 
in the rebellion together. Um, Cause it just like, it opens up, it just like, it's, it opens up so much more richness in Phaeton psychology. He's not just this like cartoonish mm. villain. He's kind of also this like insecure, you know, um, just kind of, you know, he's this desire for self-aggrandizement that's like coupled with this, I think, deep insecurity that like propels this just horrific, this horror show that'll lead to like, potentially it could lead to the destruction of the Neo-Sapien people. Um, I don't want to get canceled for trying to recuperate Phaeton, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I mean, so yeah, they might, I don't disagree with your assessment that there's like a deep narcissism and some insecurity, but also again, like that scene where, you know, the first line of like, um, oh my God, sorry, words are not happening today. The <laughs> Where, like, we see the flashback and the light flashing on his face as, assumedly, the rest of the Neo-Sapiens are just destroyed by, like, the first prototypes of the extra squad um, and potentially a young Winfield, like, shooting up those people. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's also a genuine, like, terror and horror and, yeah, Phaeton's not a great guy <laughs> in the sense that, you know, he's not he's not noble like Masala. It's, like, it's easy to like Masala because he's a good person, right, at the end of the day. And Phaeton complicates that, but there's also, I I felt, like, genuinely sympathetic of, like, oh, yeah, that must really fucking suck, Yeah, is the only way I can put it, to to go through this whole, like, liberation process, this rebellion, to be so close to liberating your people, and then to just see everyone mowed down, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe to some extent there is, like, a practical, like, okay, I need to take a different approach here, because obviously this is not going to work. So if it means... I have to spend the next 50 years doing subterfuge to get the humans to think we're not a threat so that I can finally, like, overthrow these fucking bastards. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, like, Phaeton's a great baddie because it opens up all these questions of, like, how much should you actually sympathize with him? Right. Even if he's not a good person, per se. Um, You're not, I, yeah, I think that's a really great point. I think he, uh, you see that just, yeah, I mean, like, the trauma of that, right? Because, like, if you think about the fact that they're all mm. brothers and sisters, too, and he just, like, watched his whole family die, yeah. And right. there's a scene in the second season we get to, we can talk about it, that also humanizes him a little more. It kind of gets into maybe some of his, like, kind of trauma of the, you know, the war and stuff. And mm. it's, yeah, you know, even Phaeton's not just, like, this cartoonishly evil character, is he? That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's what I like about this show. Watching as an adult and not having the uh, kind of like nostalgia goggles on, it's still, yeah, just really fascinating and interesting and well-written. And yeah, again, like we'd love to see an adult version of this nowadays where we could get into these themes. But I also, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the cynic, like the person who's become blackpilled in the last year that is now me. <laughs> I feel like... I don't know. It's fun to like go back and rewatch this show and kind of apply and unpack and discuss these issues. But if they tried to remake it today, I feel like there would be so much like internet politics mm. around like, oh, is it too, is it trying to recuperate XYZ character too much? Is it trying to show this person too sympathetic a light? Are we allowed to like, you know, these bad characters? Or are, I don't know. I just, yeah. it, we're in get... a, like a weird moment politically. Right. <laughs> 
Well, and like, I wonder how much like you would just get a bunch of hand wringing if it if it like kind of matches the politics of the time. Would you get a lot of hand wringing moralizing about populism? To your point, and like, would it be like, oh, like, would there be these think pieces where it's like, oh, we need to talk about Phaeton, we need to talk about how Exo Squad makes Phaeton too likable in certain instances, and like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's just people who like, and it's like, oh well, and if it gives you these shades of gray and not like a clear moral message, like I have a feeling you would have like Atlantic and like Vox articles just like. Pearl clutching about like oh well it's not spoon feeding me my morality oh like the response to like that QAnon documentary yeah exactly that's kind of what I'm thinking actually that's probably exactly why I'm thinking that way but yeah have anyway, you seen this just... oh go ahead baby sorry <laughs> I was gonna say that's just my two cents on Exo Squad we can uh yeah go down another tangent if you like yeah. well, it, I mean it would it would be difficult to navigate today's media and political landscape. With this right. kind of cartoon, yeah, like if you if you trip up on the writing at all, people would just dogpile on you, right? right. And I think for pretty Be- reason. Oh, sorry, go ahead. But because specifically because of the subject matter and mm. the seriousness of the topics discussed, like if it was just Exo Squad meets Paw Patrol, no one would give a shit, right? Right. Right. And well, I think it's part of that's uh, something to say about like kind of the the condition of the times or the state of the times or whatever i think we place so much weight on our um media products to somehow reflect the reality that we want to live in or, or be moral or just or whatever you know they're not a, television and movies aren't allowed to just be television and movies anymore and this isn't to say that like media and art and culture and blah 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 don't have power and like political weight and all this sort of stuff yeah and, like but at the same time, like, I think we expect our, there's a certain kind of popular assumption, more so now than I think when this show aired, that, that media products have to impart some kind of moral lesson and teach a certain morality and a certain mm-hmm. view of the universe. And that's where I think a lot of this um, drive to really sort of like dissect everything and like, and pick apart its morals and like expect it to, to give you this, this critical moral story or whatever. Uh, cause I mentioned that like that QAnon documentary, have you seen this Dave, the Q into the storm? Is it, is that the one that came out on HBO? Yeah. 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 That one. I, I watched like the first 15 minutes of one episode and I was like, what <laughs> <laughs> it's wild uh, I, I thought i really liked it um i thought it was i thought it was actually like a really good like just sort of like let these people speak for themselves just present them mm-hmm. as they are and like you know you're gonna see them as <laughs> what they are and it's not great oh um, yeah and i think it like did a really good job of that um but like a lot of the uh so like the, like the atlantic and a bunch of other like kind of liberal public like liberal uh centrist and like extreme centrist uh, you know, bastions of elite opinion were very much like, oh, well, it doesn't like it doesn't tell you how bad Q is. It lets these people speak for themselves. Da, 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 this is bad. It doesn't like it basically like the Atlantic article was like accusing it of not spoon feeding you or spoon feeding you like morality and, uh, and and not like just like explaining to you in simple terms that QAnon is bad instead of just, it, you know, it just like sort of shows you like, here's the thing. Like, obviously this is bad, but like, I'm just going to let them show you themselves how bad they are. Uh, and so that's where I think like that's that's the kind of, I think, response that ExoSquad might get in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. And if, if it did come out today, like, I mean, even even I would encourage people to watch it now. But like it would be one of those things where you're like, if you let your kid watch it, 
you should probably talk to your kid about it. Yeah. Like, don't just let them consume it mindlessly without giving them some context. Like you guys did? Yeah. <laughs> like most of our listeners probably did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we did. And the, But see, that's the thing is like, I mean, like, yeah, I think, I think parents should always talk to their kids. I mean, I, I say this is not a parent, so take it worth a grain of salt. But I, I think parents should probably talk to their children about the media they consume, be familiar with it and like have those kind yeah. of conversations. Mm. But I also think like the value of a show like this is without like kind of presenting you the goodies and the baddies and just showing you this complex picture. I mean, like, you know, I didn't have the, the faculties I do now as a, as a 37 year old when I was 11, but like at the same time, this show did make me like kind of think about this sort of stuff, you know, on its own, like, mm -hmm. you know, without having anybody digesting it for me, I was like kind of forced to sort of think through like, well, Marsala means what he said about being enslaved and like, you know, there is this like deeper backstory and all this difficulty and like the humans were doing really terrible things to them. You know, it's like, yeah, it is something that you do have to grapple with as a kid. If you're even paying, if you're paying any attention to the scenes beyond just the explosions. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I look back and I think about it where like, yes, I watched this show when I was 12, like 11 through 13. And you're right. You, you don't have the faculties to like explore some of these things generally at least kids in the 90s didn't um for the most part and it wasn't long into my teenage years when i would like think about some things and be like remember that show exo squad i watched when i was a kid mm -hmm. they talked about some of this <laughs> right and that's one of the reasons why i always remembered it so fondly and for years was like how the fuck do i watch this show again <laughs> like, I don't think I got, I don't think I got to watch it again until my late twenties. Yeah, I mean, it was the summer when I rewatched it in preparation for this podcast. It was the first time I'd watched it since probably ninety four or ninety five. Once it disappeared from television. Yeah. Oh man, good shit though. Yeah, it's uh, more than anything else. Like, I remember a few like individual GI Joe episodes and a few individual like. Um, you know, like Thundercats and all that sort of stuff. But I remembered like the broad story of Exo Squad in detail my whole life. Never forgot it. Yeah. You, yeah. you remembered more of Exo Squad than you remembered of Dante's Peak. A hundred percent. And that's, and that's <laughs> an saying something. An adult film, right? That, yeah, that is a masterpiece of American cinema. I mean, it's, it's up there. It's one of the, it's like, it should be on the AFI Top 100. Nay, it is the AFI Top 100. It should be so the, the criterion films of American history are all Dante's Peak. <laughs> Which, uh, honestly, it's, it's the best. Oh, go ahead. It, it's the best movie with a melting grandma that I've ever watched. I know, right? We should maybe, yeah, we should maybe do a bonus episode on Dante's Peak because it is like it's, I feel like it's just a masterpiece of '90s trash. Oh, it is. It, yeah. The '90s is a shit decade for cinema, especially the latter oh, half of the '90s. Like '90s cinema is dog shit, and Dante's Peak, I think, is a is the crown jewel of that terrible turkey. <laughs> How dare you? I based my entire life off of the expectations I had from Friends and Seinfeld in the 90s. That's, and that's television. I feel attacked. That's television, not cinema. <laughs> oh, 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 my bad. My uh, bad. 90s television is also still pretty bad. I mean, you had The Simpsons and a few other odds and ends. God, the Devil, and Bob, may it rest in peace. You come oh, man. too soon. Uh, do you remember that? It was like, I think some of the first things we ever did hanging out was watching God, the Devil, and Bob, wasn't it? 
all the, all what ten episodes of it that ever existed. I think six. I think because they they ran the pilot and then the Christian backlash was too strong and that was the end of that show. Yeah. Oh man, we should. That's another one. If we run out of extra squad, we should do God <laughs> the Devil and Bob. We're on like episode twelve of like how many fifty something episodes of Exo Squad. Well, you know, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, so eventually it is going to run out. <laughs> I mean, knock on wood, but I'm, unless you're trying to poison me here. Uh, I wouldn't put it past you. Um, That's when you'll see my fate on Naughty Face. <laughs> That'll be the last thing I see is I'm like choking at the dinner table, like, ah, ah, and you're just like, no, actually, I'm I'm gonna do a Nara Burns like resting bitch face, just the just the resting deadpan. Remember, yeah. the, remember the the best way to get away with it is just tiny amounts of gold in his food uh, daily. <laughs> It'll eventually kill him of heavy metal poisoning, and no one will be able to guess exactly what's happening. There you have oh it. gosh! Well, we're gonna move back to Pittsburgh, so we'll probably get heavy metal poisoning from the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Hey, I mean, Dave and I, Dave and I grew up drinking like lead-filled Western Pennsylvanian water, and we're fine. So delicious! Yeah. <laughs> Look at us—we're well-adjusted adults now. Absolutely. <laughs> oh god! All right. On that note, we should probably let people who are still listening get on with their lives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for tuning uh, in, true believers. We appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up today. Uh, as always, if you want to support the podcast, you go to patreon.com slash EM network. Tell your friends, leave a like, leave a comment, leave a review. Good ones only. If you leave anything less than five stars or a perfect review, I will cry myself to sleep. Um, mm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Write in with any feedback you have, and we'll read it someday. I promise I will. If you're dying to hear um, the Dante's yeah. Peak episode, please leave us a message asking for it. Just saying. <laughs> and uh, I think I think we'll call it call it there for the day, everyone. Yeah. All right. All right. Cheers, everybody. Take care. Stay safe.